This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. My name is Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Lendit Fintech, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague, Todd Anderson. How are you doing, Todd? I'm well, Peter. How are you? I'm doing great. And our special guest today is Tim Lee from Alchemy. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing fantastic, Peter, Todd. Happy New Year. Both yeah, Happy New Year. You as well. Just yeah. Before we get going, just give us a little 30-second 30 30 intro to Alchemy. Embedded finance, every, every company will be a fintech company. So where we, uh, what we do is very simple. We uh, plug in our software, HopSpot, Salesforce does your CRM, Alchemy does your uh, financing. That's what we are. All right. Well, let's get going. We have, uh, we have, we're going to kick it off with uh, a couple of um, big funding rounds. One monster round, um, checkout.com raised <laughs> $1 billion. Uh, that is impressive, um, regardless of uh, you know. Of, I think of uh, the size of the company. They are really you know they, they've they've got a valuation now of forty billion dollars. That's up from fifteen billion just twelve months ago. So they've uh, when they raised four hundred and fifty million. I mean they are they're becoming a machine. They're like they're they're they're, they're getting into Stripe like territory. And I know they they do compete somewhat with Stripe, although they're focused, I think, more on the higher, you know, larger larger yeah. enterprise type companies. But uh, really, uh, just just a, a massive massive funding round. That, um, and they of, only had they only had to give up two point five percent of equity. Yeah, in that That's round, insane. which is just uh, insane. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, they do focus more on the enterprise customer. Um, I think it was the CEO said in the piece that they are profitable. Yeah. So they're just hoarding cash <laughs> because they, you know, for, for, from what the, the story says, basically for two reasons, one to, to keep hiring. Uh, and the other is they're going to make an aggressive push into the U S they're primarily, uh, you know, Europe, middle East Africa, uh, focused, at least that's what they built, um, the $40 billion business on. Um, and now they're, while I believe they're in the U.S., they'll be uh, pushing into the U.S. Uh, more heavily, and as well as uh, you know, I think arguably the hottest term in um, you know fintech and tech t- these days, which is Web three. Uh, yeah. I think they already have five or six crypto um, focused clients, so uh, they'll be making a bigger push there. Uh, and so it's um, you know. To be honest with you, when we first heard of Checkout, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, they, it feels like they came out of nowhere. Right. And now they're, mm-hmm. granted, not as big as Stripe, but I mean, they're quickly rising up the ladder. Not far off. Yeah. Yes. A whole new rail being created in front of our eyes yep. in the past 48 months. Um, you're, you're absolutely right, Todd. This Web 3.0 thing, uh, it's, it's going to be a new infrastructure operating system for checkout to go and hire a bunch of people to build a uh, transactional rail in that verse, if you will, X verse. <laughs> it's a very interesting play. 
And yeah. I think they're going to hire a lot of really crazy people here in the U.S. to get it done. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what we're going to see. They're going to see the checkout.com name around a lot more in this country because I think like, they're based in London. Is that right, Todd? Pretty sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think the the most interesting thing about them is is they're kind of the web two, web three. They're kind of the bridge between the two, right? Which right. I think is is key because I don't think we're at least any time in the near future going to be all web three, right? Uh, and so it's going to be this constant bridging of the two worlds. What can you use that best suits your business in web three? How can you implement blockchain or crypto based products? Um, to complement what you currently do. And, you know, someone like Checkout has clearly already established themselves as that bridge uh, is only kind of going to entrench themselves further there. Right, right. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. There's another another company had a big round. You know, admittedly, uh, not, not as large as the Checkout.com, but we might not see another <laughs> one as large as that for a while. Um, Brex raised $300 million at a $12.3 billion valuation. That's up from last April uh, when they raised $425 million um, at $7.4. So, you know, that's, that's to me is a reasonable increase. And, you know, it's, uh, they've, they've said their revenue has more than doubled um, in the last year and their valuation has not quite doubled. So that, uh, that to me is, that's, that's not, that's not unreasonable. And, um, yeah, they've also said that they're you know Brex has really made them made their name for themselves really you know credit corporate card for startups um, and now they're moving more up market they're going after the mid market companies and also you know enterprise type companies so you know they are they're another company I think they're you know we had uh, we had um, Enrique on our on our keynote stage last year and they you know they clearly are one of the one of the fintech companies to watch. They're kind of they're going with their customers into the their next phase. So right. they're they they started in the the startup, the e-commerce early stage space, and their companies graduated, and they're graduating with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's a an interesting journey. I mean, I, every time I read something about Brex, I'm still surprised that they're in their early twenties. Right. I mean, it it, it blows my mind that. Uh, you know, they're like 23, 24. The founders, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah the, the two founders. Um, it's like, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, and they took this, this idea um, and have now built an almost, you know, on their way to 15, uh, 20, 25 billion, I'm sure in, in the coming years, um, pretty rapidly. Uh, and got after a space that has since with the pandemic and everything else, started to radically transform so it proves that they were they were early mm-hmm. in serving these customers uh, and these companies that needed better options than what traditional lenders and traditional finance firms mm-hmm. were giving them which was pre- yeah. pretty much being shut out yeah exactly even some of our clients uh, are uh, I've noticed that they are using Brex as checking accounts and credit card products and things like that they any self-respecting startup can't just waltz into Wells Fargo and expect them underwrite them and, and get them a financial product. So I think Brex is interesting. But carry on on uh, this person they hired away from Facebook, 15-year mm-hmm. veteran at Microsoft. My God, this guy's yep. going to take it to the next level. I'm not even right. sure what he's going to build, but it will be interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, that was also in the in the in the announcement of the fundraiser. They've got a, a new chief for their enterprise strategy. Yeah, yeah, a new chief right. product officer with a lot of deep experience uh, with uh, enterprise software. So, yeah, it's good hire. Interesting. Okay, let's move on. I want to talk about uh, PayPal because you know this was in the news earlier this week. There, PayPal. Someone dug into uh, the. You know, the code, it was like a hackathon and, and they found this PayPal coin um, <laughs> that was part, uh, the, the sort of part of PayPal. The PayPal have acknowledged that they're looking at us and it's a stable coin. They're looking at it. Um, this to me is really interesting because when you think about there's really no other company like PayPal out there because they've got uh, a massive network, hundreds of millions of customers, tens of millions of, of merchants in I don't know how many countries around the world, but probably most uh, most of the of, of the world has uh, has PayPal in um, you know as part of as part of their financial financial infrastructure, and it's to me um, they they are a company to watch, and this this stablecoin could suddenly mean that like all of the international remittances. Um, that uh, now flow through Western Union and MoneyGram, and uh, you know, Ripple's attacking it. I know, but PayPal's in a great, a great uh, position to be able to attack that market too. So who knows? But we'll probably see a stablecoin out of PayPal pretty soon. I mean, this is isn't this one of the battles that we're going to see, which is private technology-backed companies issuing stablecoins versus. Mm-hmm governments issuing stable coins mm-hmm. uh, and while technically we can sit here and say you know the government controls the money supply and stuff but like if you're a young person who do you have more trust in the united states government or paypal right yeah i i, I know the government has you know essentially you know broad authority and kind of you know the regulatory authority but when you think of the overall trust in institutions they're much more apt to go to a paypal uh or someone like that that has served them well makes their experience super seamless versus the clunky u.s government who you know who knows what the hell they're doing in this space now grant i know the government will eventually win down the line but the battle of of the private and public stable coin to me is going to be fascinating how it plays out yep yeah, we 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 have another article um, a little bit later in the show that we'll uh, we'll delve into that. But uh, thoughts yeah. on PayPal, Tim? Well, before the Civil War, at least in the United States, every region, every state issued their own currency. Right. Remember, some of them had uh, yeah. backed by silver dollars. Some of some were just local currency backed by the local government. Uh, for PayPal to should I use the word evade some of these constraints with the U.S. Uh, payment system? They have to create their own uh, currency, right? To compete with the transfer wise of the world. Well, exactly, and like they're a very international company, so uh, mm-hmm. I can see how it, that that would make sense. And um, the one thing I'll say, actually, uh, so let's—I'm going to talk about that in the next when 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 we talk the, the next stablecoin article. I want to move on to my favorite topic: overdraft fees. We oh have we, we continue to get more movement here. Now we have. Two more of the big four this week announcing, you know, I would say, radical changes to their overdraft. We got Bank of America reducing overdraft fees from thirty-five dollars to ten. That's going to start in May. They're also limit, uh, eliminating 
the non-sufficient funds fees that um, that happen, then they when they just basically kick the check back and don't and and, and don't uh, allow it to be paid. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's going to be eliminated starting next month. Wells Fargo is also going to eliminate those fees, and they're going to do. It looks like they're doing a bit like the. Um, I think it was it's PNC. I think that was doing yep. this twenty-four hour grace period, where right. um, you know, where they'll they'll give people notification that they are going to overdraw their accounts. So give people some time to change. But you know, we've now got pretty much all the all of the top ten banks doing something. It seems like on overdraft fees, that's a victory for fintech right there. Yeah, Chase was uh, you know it's up to fifty dollars. They won't charge you. Uh, any fees mm-hmm. uh, in terms of overdraft and, and most people keep it uh, under $50. It's usually in the 10 to $20 range, I believe. But um, this is where, you know, I think companies like Dave don't get enough credit. Um, right. You know, there without that. Yeah. Maybe we end up where we are, but I don't think we end up where we are with uh, overdrafts and, and NFC mm-hmm. fees, NSF fees, uh, excuse me, uh, this quickly. Yeah. And so I, I think we're yeah. probably still years away from that. Or you're probably closer to a government-mandated, forced uh, thing about overdrafts. And this just naturally happened because you know there was competition created by Dave and then followed by others. And now you have the banks moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, I mean, I worked on some of these algorithms uh, at one of these top – if you look at my LinkedIn profile, you can figure out which bank it is <laughs> to uh, – <laughs> Before Dot Frank, we were trying to figure out also the algorithms to you know increase revenue on overdraft fees. After Dot Frank, we got to sort transactions a certain way to minimize it for for folks. Um, banks were making billions every quarter, yeah. Uh, yeah. and it was sustaining the entire consumer bank. But my biggest fear here, Peter and Todd, is that I think every self-respecting payday lender is rubbing their hands together again because if the bank can extend credit, these poor folks that are overdrawn on their accounts from time to time. We'll have to go back to the payday lenders again. Well, that's what's interesting here. Like Wells Fargo, in the the article in Banking Die that I read, Wells Fargo said they're going to launch a short-term credit product up to $500 by the end of 2022. And I think, you know, I feel I'm hoping that I don't. I hate payday lenders. I really, I really mm-hmm. just can't stand it. But there's, there's so many fintech options out there now. Um, you know, I'm hoping that uh, my, 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 my goal here has always been to put payday lenders out of business because of, uh, because there's no demand because there's better, better right. options. And I think right. we're, we're not there yet. We're nowhere near there, but we're, we're, we are making progress, and that's what. Yeah. That's Hopefully, what these uh, small dollar loans that these banks come up, come up with is not self serving. Hey, I'm not going to yes. charge you overdraft fees. I'm going to charge you a lot of fees yeah. uh, for this extended, you know, yeah. like overdraft protection product. Well, yet to be seen. But banks, I know this won't easily give up billions of dollars of revenue for no no good reason. Uh, but all good on these new banks that are limiting their overdraft fees. Yes. Good on them. Yes, indeed. The right okay. Moving on to a moving on to a story which I think is is just sort of it didn't really get a whole lot of play. Um, this week it was actually it was yesterday the day before but uh this is transunion uh, partnering with spring labs um and what they're basically going to do is bring credit data into web3 so this is the, this has been a missing piece that there's no way that um the regulators will allow web3 or decentralized finance to grow much at all or do everything they can to stop it because there's no kyc there's no aml but what spring labs has done with their digital wall with with their um 
their, their new product, this new partnership they're doing is you're going from what the way I understand it is you can bring your credit information, your identity information into your digital wallet so that when you are, you know, like I've got a MetaMask wallet, I presume that's what I'll be able to bring this in. Now it won't have, won't store the credentials themselves in the wallet. It'll say that, it'll say that we, I have been verified yeah. and then you'll be able to move around the web in all these, all these, DeFi applications and they'll see oh this guy has his ver has his credentials verified so there'll be like two types of users there'll be verified users and non-verified and eventually i think these these um companies are only going to be able to deal particularly in the u.s with verified users but this i think is a game changer and uh i think we can it really could get regulators on board and kudos to transunion for taking the lead here and spring labs and Spring, of course, Spring Labs have, take, have been taking a lead for a long time, but they need people like TransUnion to come on board. Well, yeah, I mean, this is where DeFi and uh, crypto need to go, which is um, you know working with certain service providers. Now, you don't need to put everyone's information everywhere. You just need basically a check mark. Yep. Like you know, Peter's been verified, Tim's been verified, Todd's been verified, um, and it, it takes out a lot of that worry that regulators have um you know i still and i think they in the article i think they said it would be live by end of this year yeah so you know yeah. it's still got some time but um this is the type of innovation that puts regulators at ease um when you have all the other stuff going on in the space yeah the flip side is that it kind of destroys one of the central tenets of cryptocurrency yep. which is the crypto yep. side anonymity um Good or bad, right? A lot of people don't want government to understand uh, what they're, you know, doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Terrorism, AML, and all that stuff aside, um, we are already uh, uh, pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty naughty on the privacy side of the house. And now the government or anybody else wants to really look at how we're transacting, where we're buying. Um, uh, we'll see. But the founder of Spring Labs is uh, the guy that used to build Avant. Smart right. dudes. If you look at their um, advisory group or board, it's got all the who's and who's in that fintech space. I think they're they're going to be uh, they're going to be just fine for the. Yeah, but you, you raise a good point, Tim. I think there is. I mean, and there there was some of the the true um, the purists uh, in the mm -hmm. DeFi Web three world will will scoff at this. But you know, be that as it may, like what what you don't want to have is regulators saying, okay. If you, you cannot use any decentralized finance, it's going to be illegal in this country to use a decentralized finance platform. Um, I think I, I, I think if you really want to be a purist, then you really need to go move to the Bahamas or, or somewhere else because it's just going to be. I mean, it's, not, it's, just it's a negotiation. We yeah, we don't live in a black and white world, and it's essentially like, a negotiation. It comes down to if you want to do this, then you have to give up a little bit of this. Yeah. And and crypto as a community needs to figure out where do like where do we want this to go? If we want wide scale, large large adoption, mm -hmm. then what are we okay with giving in a little bit on? Yeah, because everyone right. you know, and and regulators are going to have to do the same thing on their side. They're going to have to give in a little bit as well, and uh, because. They'll other countries like China and, and places in Europe will start passing us by and then regulators will say, all right, where, where do we have to give in? Uh, and so then it, hopefully it comes to a head where both sides are like, all right, I'm giving a little here. And in the ultimate goal, this will end, end up 
where I don't mm-hmm. think they're there yet because I don't think regulators have, have taken on the task of, hey, we really want to do this. I think the Fed report's coming out soon. Maybe that could provide a little bit of clarity. But ultimately, it's a you know it's a negotiation between markets and, and participants. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's a great partnership. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I think, and I I, I just, as I said, I feel like this is sorely needed. And uh, you know, before it gets too big, um, it, this is the sort of thing that we need to get uh, mainstream adoption on. Okay, let's move on. We had our um, Fed Chairman Jay Powell testifying before the Senate Finance Committee this week. The one thing that we're taking that I wanted to highlight about that um, was. The fact that there's, there's two things that the Fed is is working on. They're, they're, they are working on a report on stable coins, um, and they've uh, and that that has been long awaited. And the Fed uh, Fed Chairman said it's coming. It's it's a matter of weeks before that report is going to be out. And then the other piece is Project Hamilton, which uh, has been promised since the summer. That's going to be out soon as well. And the one thing that Jay Powell said, which I wanted to highlight here, he says he sees no problem with a privately issued stablecoin coexisting with a CBDC potentially issued by the Fed. That uh, that I think is something that um, people have been waiting to hear, and uh, they got that this week. And that goes back to our PayPal thing. So you know, who chooses what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole yeah. that's the whole. The whole CBDC thing is still obviously completely up in the air, but uh, and Peter, it looks like we, we have a comment here, and so I'll pose this question yeah. to you. So, uh, from Hal Gotch, uh, I believe is the last name. So, Hal, thank you for your question. Uh, I'll pass this to Peter. Um, can you comment on the features of a stable coin and how it can be used in payment and money transfer, especially cross border? Yeah, so a stable coin is what, as the name suggests, it's something that is usually all the stable coins right now are pegged to the US dollar. Um, so one stable coin is one US dollar. So if you can just imagine, it's like a US dollar. I mean, a lot of this stuff is backed by uh, by US treasuries and other and other very stable types of uh, you know types of securities, and it doesn't matter where you live. Your one stable coin is one. It's it's worth one U.S. dollar. So it's sort of like you can imagine trading in U.S. dollars anywhere. Um, you can, but you don't have to do that intermediary step. You can just go and buy stable coins in your local exchange, your local currency for stable coins. Then you can, and as you can, do, you can build up your wealth in stable coin. Which if you if you live in certain countries that might have a volatile currency, that's that's a way to do it. But then moving money across borders, it's that's what it's all about. You basically you're moving a stable coin. Doesn't matter geographically where. You can be in Argentina moving it to Russia. You can be wherever it is. It's just going to be one stable coin moving to, um, around around the, the globe. And so it just takes the local currency piece out of the equation. And uh, I think that's, you know, anyway, that's. I mean, the question comes down to is, is whether you do it on PayPal or you do it on the mechanism that the U.S. government creates or you do it in figure pay or, you know, th- there'll be an option you'll have multiple options where you can transact 
Uh, and as Peter said, you'll get one for one and then you'll be able to send money and it'll be instantly in a wallet of someone else. Right. Uh, so long as they're probably on PayPal or in that system, eventually we get to the point where there'll probably be interoperability between PayPal, the government and other systems. And then maybe you can send your money wallet to wallet, regardless of the system or payments rails that you're on, but essentially it comes down to there's a, a mechanism which is the platform that you're on and then you'll be able to instantly send money back and forth um it there, there's still a lot of innovation to happen here and and how yeah. it transmits but essentially it takes out a lot of the middle piece like going to a money gram you don't need to go to a money gram or going to you know some other intermediary uh, a bank that charges you 25 dollars for an international wire that'll send it and so it, it eliminates a lot of that intermediary steps. Yep. Yep. Well, while we're on the topic of stable coins, um, we are going to talk about another news mm -hmm. piece that came out this week. Um, this is uh, Mike Cagney's company, Figure. There is, it's the USDF um, stable coin, and that's uh, operates through the provenance blockchain. The thing that's interesting here is that they've got a consortium of five banks who have said they will adopt this stablecoin. And these are not just tiny little, little, little banks. Um, these are, you know, four of the four banks in the top hundred of, of four of the five are in the top hundred banks by assets. Um, this, it, and then we had, we just announced uh, today, if you checked your email, uh, Mike Cagney is going to be a keynote. He's going to have um, a, uh, as yet unnamed uh, special guest appearing with him, you know, talking about this. And this is, you know, figure is um, a force we reckon with. And I feel like they are, what he's doing with, uh, with payments, I think is the most interesting I think it's it's really the most interesting technology there is in all of payments right now, and uh, all going to be sort of built on this uh, USDF stablecoin. Yeah, it's a natural extension of what he's already built. Um, he created a whole new operating system for people to transact. USF, USDF are just a natural extension of all the contract he's already built on this platform. Um, going back to the earlier point about cross-border transactions it's it's a thing of a control the u.s government didn't write its operating system for people to transact money so they missed out on this blockchain technology right they're trying to understand it so if the, if there is going to be a uh, somewhat of a u.s sanctioned stable point a stable coin it has to be on a rail that they can levy sanctions you know we just mm -hmm. levy sanctions against um, yep. I think uh, North Korea for testing supersonic missiles or U uh, Russia for doing something in Ukraine. We can we have leverage there with a good old uh, banking system. But on this new operating system, the U.S. government has no control. Right. They're one of the many, not they're many to many, not one of the many. Right. So yeah. for uh, Jay Powell or anybody else representing the U.S. government that still wants it, enforce our influence in the world it has to be an operating system that we have control over but right now we don't right now that's that's a whole nother topic that I, that's obviously got political yeah. ramifications but i i, I it's also why it's taking so long in yeah. in, in many ways because yeah. you know and i think Tim, that's probably your yeah that's probably your big point is that you know they can't just spin something up and and say oh here it and is they, play they it in my sandbox it's all it's all what's well, not just yeah, it's it's not just um, it's not just foreign. It's more domestic, I think. Yeah, you know, the, the the government likes to be able to control the money supply 
Um, and when you'd have everything, you know, with, with stable coins, they're not going to help have that control. Like, you know, the Jay Powell is, is, is trying to keep inflation under control. You know, we can do that with a number of different ways. And one of the measures, one of the things, one of the tools that they have is, is controlling the money supply and that, when he doesn't have that tool, and I don't think he's going That's to have right. that tool, um, even if even if they, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to have that tool in the future as strongly as what he's had in in the past uh, because of things like this. Anyway, um, we have had a very crypto themed show today, and we are going to end with another crypto story, which I thought was just really interesting. Um, a new credit card that is out like you, you think about the credit card industry there's every possible type of card you could ever imagine out there right now but this one is aimed at people who hold crypto so there's no hard credit check for applicants but the underwriting is based on your crypto holdings and your other savings and investments so um you don't need to have uh you know a really big thick credit file to get approved for this it does have you know, it's 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 for prime consumers. There's a three hundred and ninety five dollar annual fee, so it's not going to be for the subprime, <laughs> but it's for those people who might have found themselves uh, in crypto wealthy, but not having any kind of credit history. Then they can go get their own premium credit card now. Super interesting. That fee is still going to turn many people off, especially when there's so many credit cards with zero fee or you know zero interest, zero this, zero that. Oh, here's a four hundred dollar fee. Let me jump towards that one. I mean, just even if you're you're thinking, just practically speaking, how a consumer looks at something on the screen, four hundred or zero, chances are they they jump past it just for that. Um, so I, I think it's interesting to see if this this. I mean, they've raised a lot of money, so conceivably they they believe that there's uh, investors at least believe that there's going to be a decent amount of interest in this. Um, and to be honest with you, the the whole crypto space these these are people that don't you know interact with the system as naturally as say me or you they do things differently and and so this card speaks to them and in, in how they um you know uh, yeah. run their financial lives in my uh class that i teach at usc southern california uh, out of my uh, 60 70 students i want to say only about 10 percent of people have awareness of what a credit score is Wow. Everybody else has got a wallet, trading at NFTs, playing crypto games, trading, transacting. Um, Tells you a lot. About, exactly. So this is a point for three ninety nine a year. It, they couldn't care less. I mean, they're paying like um, a couple hundred uh, gas fees to buy NFT art, right? For three ninety nine, they couldn't care less. Well, not only that, like the whole thing about fees is, as someone who plays the credit card game. It's all oh, about your. It's all sure. about your rewards. I'll pay four hundred dollars if I'm going to get more than four hundred dollars in value back. Right, and and a lot of things, true. like that, that's the thing they get the rewards. It's the whole crypto rewards thing. They can get a whole lot of uh, cash back on that. So yeah, that's right. a good point. So this is a bridge like, between the metaverse, the real world. They none of the students can go to Wells Fargo or Bank of America and get a credit card. Don't have credit history or anything like that. Right. So with this, they can just ping the wallet to see uh, you got 200 uh, ethereum holdings in there yeah i'll give you 500 or five thousand dollars to spend yeah um yep. it makes perfect sense for that generation of people yep yep so as, as you say there's anthony anthony just had that comment that i just put on here that uh <laughs> ego yeah. status 
Yes, exactly. There is there is status that's uh, that's happening there. Anyway, we are out of time, everybody. Thank you very much uh, for watching or listening. Uh, very much appreciate it. Before we go, quick quick plug for Lended FinTech Nexus, our uh, all meetings event happening in Miami, February seventh and eighth. It's going to be fantastic. Can't wait to get down to the beach and uh, just no no content. All meetings. It's going to be fun. And the awards cap it off. Yes, the awards cap it off. So we will we'll be back here same time next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Awesome. Yeah. Be safe. Stay healthy. Bye. Yeah.